Good morning, church family. Greet you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We thank God for bringing us once again today to uh, stand before him um, and be in awe of who he is in our lives and how he continues to lead us, how he continues to guide us and to provide for us. And most importantly, to um, you know, grow in our love for for him and the the gospel. May we may our hearts um, continue to cling to Christ each and every day. Amen. If there are any new visitors, um, I don't see any new. Are there any first time visitors? What's your name, brother? What's your name? Timothy. Timothy. Welcome, Timothy. Get to know Timothy um, after, after church. Uh, this is Central Baptist Church, where the Word of God is central. We have been going through uh, Mark, the Gospel according to Mark, and uh, we are in chapter 4. We've seen um, Jesus starting now to teach in parables. We saw the parable of the seeds, the four seeds, representing the four kinds of hearts that respond to God's word. We saw the parable of a lamp, that, and, and Jesus says that a lamp should not be put under a basket or under a bed, um, but it must um, be a lamp that shines and gives light to the house. So today we are in chapter 4, verse 26. We're looking at up until verse uh, 29. And we will look at uh, the, the parable of the seed growing, but um, the, 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 the title of the sermon for today will be Growth in the Kingdom. Growth in the Kingdom. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 to 29. Let us read from God's word, shall we? Um, I read from the ESV. Follow me as we read God's word. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, your word is powerful. It is a word that transforms us, that um, changes us each and every day, even as we draw near to you to hear your word uh, today. We pray that our hearts will be um, brought to you, our minds uh, will be informed with your word as you change our hearts, as you conform our will to your will. We pray that we will grow deeper in love with you, that we will walk closer with you, and we will desire your will above all. Lord, teach us, rebuke us, correct us, train us in righteousness, that we may be a people that are equipped, ready for every good work. 
May you glorify your name as we hear your word. Give me clarity of speech and clarity of thought. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen. Uh, this parable is one of the many that the Lord during his ministry um, on earth uh, gave. Uh, like, like some of the others, this one speaks about the kingdom of God. You'll notice that um, he says the kingdom of God is. So he illustrates the kingdom of God. Even the next parable that he will be giving, in, in fact, in verse 30, he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? You will notice that this is especially prominent in, in, in Matthew, starting with chapter 13. He gives um, uh, you know, various parables trying to explain in, in ways that we can understand, ways that are accessible to our finite minds to understand this concept of the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is his spiritual kingdom that is now in the world today. Every person, in other words, who is saved by grace is a citizen of that spiritual kingdom. Here, in the passage that we just read, Jesus makes it clear that he intends to grow his kingdom. In fact, when he spoke of his church to his disciples, he stated plainly that his intention was to build his church Remember in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, when he says to his disciples, on this rock, I will build my church. So this is the intention of, of Christ. Now, there, there is much confusion in our world about how he will do this. Some people think that we, we, we can grow the church by becoming more like the world, Right adopting the, the attractional stuff in the world and, and, and using them to draw people. Others think that we have to grow the church by cutting ourselves off completely from the world. The, these two extremes, right? These polar extremes. You are on the extreme of you want to uh, draw the world so you become like the world or you want to you know grow the church you 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 completely cut yourself off of the world i think the answer lies somewhere in the middle of do, those true extremes in these verses Je jesus tells us a little bit about how he is going to grow the kingdom and here he gives us some principles of, of kingdom growth or growth in the kingdom. I want to point out those principles this morning. I want you to see that Jesus fully intends to grow his father's kingdom upon this earth. And you can be part of what he is doing. And isn't that amazing? Isn't that a privilege to be used, as, as, as uh, Kali likes saying, as a conduit, Right? Uh, let's look at this parable as we consider what kingdom growth looks like. Um, in verses 26 and verse 27, we see that kingdom growth involves, first of all, a ministry. Kingdom growth involves a ministry. Verse 26 and verse 27. Look at verse 26, he says, And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps. And he rises, um, and he rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. First of all, we see that it's a human ministry, 
right? Notice how, notice who sows the seed in verse 26. It is sown by a man here. Obviously, the, the, the term here is, is a generic um, term, right? It's a, it's a generic term. Men and women are able to plant the seed, obviously, in context, right? There must be a context into which these things function. For, for his own reasons, God has chosen to grow his kingdom through human beings, through you and me, right? God could have chosen angels to do this work. He could have created other beings, but he chose us. He saved us. Listen to this. He saved us to use us. He saved us to use us. If you think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, when Paul describes this glorious thing that God has done um, for us by, by um, making us alive when we were dead in sins and trespasses and by his grace that he saved us. And he goes on in chapter 2, verse 10, and he says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. God works through us. He chose to work through us. Isn't that amazing? Each of us was saved because some believer sought gospel seed. It's either we were taught the gospel in our homes or had the gospel when you were driving in your car and you had the radio on or had some, some, some um, you know, someone played the CD and, and uh, I know that Tony is, is also doing that and he plays John MacArthur in his car and, you know, and he, he drives people around. And, and so th- these kind of things, when you are, you, you know, you, you hear the gospel, you, you had to hear the gospel somehow, right? It, 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 you read uh, something in, in a book and, and it gripped your heart and it convicted you. That seed fell into the good soil of our heart. And there it grew and produced life, new life within our own hearts. Now we, we have, um, you know, we have been given the task of carrying this, this same gospel seed wherever we go. And we are to sow it as we go. This is what we call the Great Commission, right? Jesus says to his disciples as he is about to ascend to to heaven at the right hand of the Father. And he says to them, go uh, therefore and make disciples of all nations. That commission that Jesus gave the disciples was, was not just for the disciples in the first century alone. Because as you continue to read, he says, I am with you always to the very end of the ages. That, that tells us, brothers and sisters, that uh, because we are not in the very end of the ages as yet, Jesus is still with us, empowering us to go and make disciples. Another thing about this ministry is that it is a humbling ministry. It's a humbling ministry. After the farmer has sowed the seed, he has done all that he can. Right? He has done all that he can. He cannot bring life out of the ground. He can only sow the seed. He cannot make it grow, nor can he make it bear fruit. 
So he places it into the ground and waits to see what will become of the seed. That is humbling work, isn't it? That the farmer is at the mercy of the seed, the soil and the elements. Yet he is able to go about his daily routine without worry for the seed. Why? Because he knows that God has placed within the seed everything that is necessary to produce life. Therefore, even though he may not be able to make the seed grow, he can rest assured that the seed will do exactly what God has prepared for it to do. You see, the seed grows totally apart from any human agency. You see, the difference between a house, uh, building a house and growing a garden is that with the house, the, the subtle changes can be seen day by day and often hour by hour, right? With the garden, nothing can be seen, often for long periods of time. So it is with the gospel of grace, that the witness can, uh, you know, sow uh, uh, the seed and then he must leave the results in the hands of God. You see, the gospel has power. Romans chapter 1 verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It has power. God has placed within the gospel seed everything necessary to bring life out of death. And when that seed is sown into a prepared heart, you can rest easy knowing that God will produce the harvest in his time. Right? The word of God does not fall to the ground in vain. It does not fall to God's people's hearts in vain. So, um, you know, we, we, we should be you know, gripped by a desire to spread the seed of the gospel, you know, liberally, knowing that when God brings his good seed into contact with a prepared heart, the result will be the salvation of that soul. And I ask again, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing to, you know, a finite human being, weak, frail? You share the gospel and all of a sudden, the person that you share the gospel with, the lights come on. The lights come on. And they are alive in the spirit. And you, you, you had nothing to do with bringing them to life, but you had the privilege of being involved and being used as God's instrument. Why doesn't every witness produce a saved soul? Well, remember that we, we read in chapter 4, verse 1 to verse 20, when we looked at the, the four um, kinds of uh, soils, right? All the sower can do is sow the seed. The condition of the soil is not his worry. We, we don't go around, you know, testing the soil. It, it is not our place to test the soil, to, to share the gospel as if we had a target market. We don't have a target market as Christians. Our target market is all that are in the world. Do you know an unbeliever? Do you know someone who's not a Christian? That is your target market. 
Secondly, we see that, first of all, we see that the kingdom, kingdom growth involves a ministry, right? Secondly, we see in verses 27b and verses 28a that kingdom growth involves a mystery. It involves a mystery. Listen to verse 27b, what he says. He says, after he has uh, sown, he sleeps um, and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and here it is. He knows not how. He does not know how. The earth produces by itself. In verse 28a. Verse 27b tells us that it's a puzzling mystery. No farmer or no scientist or philosopher can clearly explain how a dead, dormant seed can produce life when it is buried in the soil. Yet within an hour of being sown, the outer husk of the seed begins to swell because it is drawing moisture from the soil. Within 10 hours, the chemical makeup of the seed begins to change. And often it is less than 24 hours um, time that the seed begins to send a tiny root downward and the beginning of a stalk upward. It is a puzzling mystery, yet the seed produces life within a short time. And it is the same way with the gospel, isn't it? When it is sown into a prepared heart, it is a mystery that the seed begins to germinate. So sometimes it happens in minutes or, or hours, and other times it takes months or years, but there is life within that seed, and it will begin to germinate and within that heart. When it does, life begins to issue forth. This is the process that we call conviction, right? Remember what Jesus Christ says when he um, speaks to his disciples in John chapter 16, verse 7 to 11 about the Holy Spirit. He says the Holy Spirit will come to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. It, it, it is a puzzling mystery. How, how, how simply words received into the heart can bring about so profound a change in an individual. In prison, there's a story that is told of a man who I used to do prison ministry for, for some time when, when I was a youth. A man who was um, one of the scariest men in, in prison, Bavian sport. He was known for all manner of evil. There was nothing that he, you know, could not uh, do um, when you think about the crime. And uh, he was um, incarcerated for life and he was tattooed all over his face, um, signifying all the things in his ranks. Um, when, when he heard the gospel, his life completely changed. He was given a guitar and he would continue playing the guitar. Only one song. He was a one-hit wonder. Um, and 
whenever he played that guitar, he would sing the song, When I remember what the Lord has done, I will never go back anymore. His heart was struck with the gospel message and convicted. All the walls of unbelief came crashing down. And all that he could do is look at the wonderful Savior. When the power of the cross, the power of the gospel message strikes the heart, it is an amazing thing. It takes a hardened man and makes him a gentle man. Not because that is his natural constitution, but because this is the gospel constitution, right? It's the gospel taking a hardened man and making him a man that belongs to God. It is a mystery indeed. It is a puzzling ministry, a mystery, a puzzling mystery. Verse 28a shows us as well that it is a private mystery. It is a private mystery. Notice the words in verse 28a, the earth produces by itself. The seed is planted and it grows soon thereafter. But the results may not be visible for days or even weeks. The, the, the work at first is very private. Therefore, the farmer must patiently wait for the results of his labor to be seen. He, he does not know which seed will grow and which one will not. He, he does not know perfectly the condition of the soil. He must wait so it is with those who saw the gospel seed into men's hearts. One of the things that discourage people about evangelism or sharing the gospel is because they don't see immediate results. They are like me when I go to the gym. After day one, I want to see some muscle. But it's not possible, right? It's not possible. Sometimes, yes, we, we, we will see uh, the light coming on. Sometimes it takes time. Let me give uh, another personal illustration. My mom used to share the gospel, and there was a, an African traditional um, uh, religion church, uh, Shembe. Many of you might know Shembe. That was not far from, from my home. And um, apparently there was this lady there um, one of the, the, the leaders who used to listen to my mom without my mom's knowledge as she shared the gospel. Um, they moved eventually. Someone won the lotto and uh, bought the, the place and built a very nice house and they moved. Um, and so I don't know where they moved, but a few years later, probably a decade or so, the, the lady meets my mom at a shopping center and she recognizes him immediately. She goes right to her, grabs her and says, do you remember me? And explains the story, says, I'm, I'm the lady that um, stayed in this place at the Shembe Church 
and I used to listen to you preaching about Jesus. Today I belong to him. Sometimes it takes time. We, we don't know the condition of the soil of their heart, right? We don't know which seed will grow and bear fruit and which will not. Days, weeks, months, and years may pass without our having seen any results from our labors. But such things are not a worry. God called us to sow the seed. The harvest is his responsibility. However, even when results cannot be seen, we must believe that there is power in the gospel to save the human heart. We, we go out there, we share with our colleagues, with our neighbors, with our families, with our loved ones. We, we, we share the gospel with the confidence that there is power in the gospel. The power is not in the fact that we are, we, in the words that you know, come out or in the loudness of our words. The power is in the fact that God has, has, you know, is the one who saves the gospel is about him. It, it is not about us. That is where the power is. As I, Paul, can say, you know, uh, you know, things like, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Even going to a place where he knows he will be incarcerated. Even going to a place where he knows that he might die. Only one person to hear the gospel, that's enough. Heaven rejoices when a sinner repents, doesn't it? Imagine if we all went out and sinners came to Christ. Imagine the, the eruption of joy in heaven. I, I, I think it's a privilege to be the one that makes heaven rejoice that day. To be used and heaven rejoice because I shared the gospel. Again, verse uh, 28a it tells us that it's a precious mystery. It's a private mystery, but it's a precious mystery. The verse gives uh, the promise that the earth produces, or as the King James puts it, the earth brings forth fruit. The farmer may not see it, but that changes nothing. Even when he cannot see what is taking place, he understands that the seed is growing and changing and that the plant and the fruit will come. When we sow the gospel, we must know that God is working even when we cannot see the proof of that work. There are many people, even think about Saul of Tarsus, that who eventually became the Apostle Paul. No one could see what was going on within his soul as the seed of the gospel began to germinate and took root in him. Right? But God was working beneath the surface. And in time, the proof of life was there for all to see when Christ confronted him. Thirdly, so the kingdom of God grows. Secondly, um, it involves, kingdom growth involves a mystery. Thirdly, uh, and lastly, the kin kingdom growth involves a majesty. It involves a majesty. Look at um, chapter uh, 4. Uh, verse 28 and verse 29, the earth produces by itself. We saw that first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest 
has come. And notice this majesty in verse 28b. It is a progressive majesty. The verse points out that there is a progression in the growth of the plant that is produced by the growth of the seed. It starts off small and fragile, and in that state it would be easy to crush, but in time it matures and produces fruit. It has the potential to multiply itself many times over as it reaches maturity. And of course, this is a picture of how a Christian is to grow in grace, right? After the seed has been planted in the soil of our heart, it grows and produces new life. The new, this new life is a tender and easily, and it, it can e- easily be damaged. But as the Lord gives grace to that life, and as he waters it and feeds it, it grows strong in the Lord and bears much fruit for his glory. Let us take a moment to look at each of the stages mentioned here. If you notice in verse 28, it says, First, the blade, right? First, the blade. Here, the new life is tender. But as the days and nights revolve, it sinks its roots deeper into the soil and steadily becomes stronger. This would correspond to the new believer. They are to be nurtured and loved as we wait for them to grow in maturity. And this is why discipleship is important, isn't it? This is why we get to know each other as a church. This is why we develop uh, fellowship, you know, fellowship that is even uh, fellowship outside tea and coffee. Secondly, as you notice, he says, first the blade, then the ear. Here the promise of future fruit is plainly seen. Uh, still, there is much growing to do. This speaks of the middle stages of the Christian life. The believer is stronger and, and shows the promise of a fruitful future. But there is much growing to do. There is much growing to do. Thirdly, notice with me, he says, then the full grain in the ear. The full grain in the ear. Here the ear hangs over due to the heaviness of the fruit Within, here is the potential for multiplication and more (coughs) growth. Excuse me. This plant can be used to build up men and it can be used to produce more plants. This speaks of maturity in the Christian life. This is the stage of victory, usefulness, and, and glory. It is here that the farmer receives his reward and his labors are compensated. Brothers and sisters, it is the kind of growth that the Lord expects from his children. We are to move beyond those first stages into great maturity in the Lord. When we do, he is glorified. Others are strengthened as we possess the ability to multiply ourselves to the glory of God. We don't want to just be a church that is inward growing, right? We want to be a church that is outward growing, a church that eventually plants other churches. This is what we want CBC to be. We want our growth to be seen in each and every one. We want our growth and, you know, the, the potential of gospel growth here in Rustenbeck, in Northwest, in, in, in other parts of, of Northwest, where we see churches that are biblical, churches that are strong. But it starts with you, brothers. 
starts with you when we uh, um, you know see a man growing and a man showing potential and a man showing um, great desire for the Lord to serve the Lord in ministry and we recognize that and we say uh, you know God uh, um, you know we pray for you and and God to send you and use you somewhere else I feel like I left the sermon but I think this is very important we, we want to see growth. We want to see strong families. We want to see children being raised in the ways of the Lord. It starts with taking the word of God seriously. It, it starts with taking fellowship seriously. When a Christian has been a Christian for so long, yet they are displaying immaturity and no growth. It might not even say they are not a Christian, but it might indicate that there's so much neglect of the, of the you know, um, you know, things that God has given us to, to grow. There's a neglect of the word. There's a neglect of prayer. There's a neglect of fellowship. This process that we're seeing, this beautiful process of, you know, the, the, the blade, the ear, the full grain in the ear, it involves, you know, um, taking advantage of the lost provisions of giving us his word, of giving us prayer, of giving us fellowship, of giving us the lost table. God expects growth. Are you growing in the Lord? Be honest. Are you maturing as he would have you do? It is unnatural, and I'm, I'm sure that you would believe, brothers and sisters, it is unnatural for a person to remain in the baby stages of life forever. Imagine, right? If, if Wazi was to remain like this, even 20 years from now, we would think it's unnatural. Something must be done. Lastly, it is a profitable majesty. You look at verse 29. But when the, the, the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. When the fruit is formed and the, the first time for harvest has come, the farmer receives a return on his investment and receives the glory for the things that have been achieved. See, when a person is saved and lives his life to the fullest for God's glory, when he reaches his true potential for Jesus, it honors the Lord and then accomplishes what he intended all along. And, and moreover, let me say, brothers and sisters, it rejoices your heart. It rejoices your heart when you see someone that you share the gospel with growing and eventually serving the Lord in, in the areas where, where they are gifted. It rejoices your heart. Isn't that what Paul you know, displayed in, in writing letters to the churches? That he would rejoice at hearing of their growth, their growing in love, in faith, and in hope in the Lord. Our goal as we live for him it should be to bring honor and glory to the name of the Lord. You think about, um, you know, um, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31 says, whatever you do, 
whether you eat or drink, do it to the glory of God. And nothing honors him like a redeemed life and a life that grows in grace and honors him. As we consider what we heard today, there are a couple of questions that must be answered. First, if you are saved today, are you sowing the gospel like he wants you to as you pass through this world? Secondly, if you are saved today, are you growing in the Lord in a way that pleases him and that give him a good return on his investment in you? Thirdly, and lastly, if you are not saved, has the seed, of the, has the seed been planted within your heart? Is God dealing with you about where you are going or to spend eternity? Would you like to be saved? Would you like to commit your life to him? To submit to him? I encourage you to, if this is you and God is speaking to you in this way, you're hearing the voice of the Lord by faith, I encourage you to speak to one of the leaders to approach us, approach me, approach one of the leaders. May God truly speak to you. Open your heart. Take you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Indeed, you are good. You sow the seed in our hearts. You make it bear fruit. It is indeed a joy, Lord, to know that you have chosen weak vessels like us to spread the gospel fine white. May we do so with joy, knowing that it is a, quite a privilege to be involved in that. For those who hear the gospel and are saved, Lord, strengthen them. For those who hear the gospel and are not saved, Lord, convict them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.